The sinner's prayer is the type of prayer that you will use to lead someone who is not saved into eternal salvation by accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It is the type of prayer that you will use to get one saved and born again. The term sinner's prayer comes from those of a more charismatic type background. The reason they have labeled it the sinner's prayer is because the Bible tells us that we are all dead in our sins and trespasses until we get saved and born again by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior and hence the word sinner's prayer. This is the type of prayer you will see used when pastors and evangelists like Billy Graham make an altar call at the end of their services, calling on all those who would like to get saved and born again to come up by accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. This is the type of prayer that you will see TV preachers use when they are trying to get people saved right over their TV sets. Many people have been saved as a result of sitting on their couches and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit moves in on them and they are hearing a preacher teach about the basics of salvation through Jesus Christ. However, one thing that you will notice when watching this take place is that no one really words the sinner's prayer in the exact same way. Everyone uses a little bit of different wording when saying the sinner's prayer out loud, instructing those to repeat after them the exact wording of the prayer in order to get them saved. This type of prayer is very basic, short, simple, and straight to the point, so there is no real harm if there is some minor variation in how the prayer is actually worded. Now, here's a good basic, simple, and straight-to-the-point sinner's prayer that you can use to lead someone into the greatest gift and event of all, eternal salvation, with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Say the following prayer out loud, believe it from your heart, and you will become saved and born again. Dear Father, I now believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son, that He came to our earth in the flesh and died on the cross to take away all of my sins and the sins of this world. I believe that Jesus Christ then rose from the dead on the third day to give all of us eternal life. Lord Jesus, I now confess to you all of the wrong and sinful things that I have done in my life. I ask that you please forgive me and wash away all of my sins by the blood that you have personally shed for me on the cross. I am now ready to accept you as my personal Lord and Savior, I now ask that you come into my life and live with me for all of eternity. Father Jesus, I now believe that I am truly saved and born again. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. This is not my point to make fun of anybody. But let me tell you something, folks. You will not find that in the Bible. You will not find salvation there. There's not one place in the New Testament where an example of someone saying a prayer like this and receiving salvation from God. It's just not there. The Bible states that baptism now saves you. 1 Peter 3, verse 21. But unless you believe that Jesus is God, John chapter 8, verse 24, you're just getting wet. Unless you repent of your sins, Acts chapter 17, verse 30, you're just getting wet. Unless you confess Jesus Christ as Lord before others, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, you're just getting wet. If after you have been baptized and saved and you don't put God first in your life, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, 
Obey Him faithfully, Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and help teach and save others, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. You are in grave danger of losing that salvation. I set out in writing this sermon to give, give us all a new paradigm on the sinner's prayer, a true sinner's prayer. I want us to have a, a thought of a true sinner's prayer, a biblical sinner's prayer. I want us to go along today through the Scriptures and understand that God does hear a sinner's prayer. He does. The Bible teaches it. God hears two types of sinners and their prayers. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. So, since we are all sinners, the question, does God hear a sinner's prayer, is applicable to everyone in this room. Listen to the following scriptures. And when I'm done, when I'm done, ask yourself, does God hear the prayer of a sinner? Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. First Peter 3, verse 12. He quotes David. He quotes David and basically says that God listens to the righteous but is against those that do evil. From these and other passages, we could conclude that God does not hear a sinner's prayer. I mean, it basically says right here in John chapter 9, verse 31, God does not hear sinners. And if we take this verse out of context, out of the context for which it was written, we who are all sinners are doomed. We're doomed. But I want to explain to you today that God does hear the prayer of sinners. Since the sinner's prayer for conversion is found nowhere in the Bible, I want to use the example, the examples commonly used to prove the sinner's prayer is a prayer that one can use for salvation. I want to use those arguments to answer the question, does God hear a sinner's prayer? And some of the conditions, I want to bring along some of the conditions that must be met before God will hear our prayer. And I want to tell you of the two types of sinners. Two types of sinners' prayers that God does hear today. One example used by many is to cite the example of the thief on the cross. Critics of baptism point to the thief on the cross as the best example of Jesus saving a man without baptism. Jesus was crucified between two thieves and while at first both thieves reviled Jesus while he was on the cross, one thief 
he humbly asked Jesus in Luke chapter 23, verse 42, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Surely I say today you will be with me in paradise. Now many in our society say that the thief was saved without baptism. But they forget that Jesus, while he was on earth, had the power to forgive sins while on earth. And he did so like he did for the the paralytic man in Mark chapter 2, verse 5, when he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Forgiveness of sins for the paralytic and the thief were before the last will and testament of Jesus Christ and before it went in force. What is the last will and testament of Jesus Christ? Well, it's found after his death, after his burial, after his resurrection, when Jesus Christ gave the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, here was the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize to all who believe. The church was not established and baptism was not preached until Peter commanded baptism to be obeyed in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, is what he said. The thief could not be saved in obedience to the gospel. When he made his request, there was no gospel to be obeyed. There was no death, burial, and resurrection yet. The gospel, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Obedience to the gospel is God's power to save. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Obedience to the gospel is found in Romans chapter 6, where one dies to self, is buried in baptism, and is raised to walk in newness of life. So the thief, as an example of a sinner's prayer, used to save someone today, pardon the pun, does not hold water. The leak is the thief's forgiveness. Like the paralytic, it came before the command to be baptized. The thief does give us a wonderful example, though, of what we need to be right in our prayers to God, and that's humility. Jesus confirms, though, that the, pe- that the, that the thief would be with him in paradise. And so we understand that it, is, that, is, that it is to paradise that the righteous go. Jesus confirms this. The next argument that, the, that many use that prayer alone can save is Romans chapter 10, verse 13. This was brought up to me by a prisoner last week at the Sumner County Jail, but I'm sure it's used this morning somewhere in Sumner County. This argument from Romans chapter 10 verse 13 that one may be saved simply by calling them upon the name of the Lord in prayer is quoted from the prophet Joel in Romans chapter 10 verse 13. Joel says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a classic example of not dividing rightly the word of truth. As Gus Nichols put it, if saved by faith alone and one calls in faith, the theory has them saved before they are called. Looking at the rest of the passage in Joel, where the church is prophesied, the rest of the quote says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. 
How are we, the remnant, called by the gospel? How are we called? We're called by the gospel. That's what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. To call means to obey. To call means to obey. Paul, who was Saul, was told by Ananias, he was told by Ananias what he needed to do. And after Saul had been praying blind for three days, in Acts chapter 9, verse 18, Paul recounts this incident. In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, where Ananias told him, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. To call means to obey. To promote the sinner's prayer theory of salvation based on Romans chapter 10, verse 13, is a misuse of Scripture. Many stop at verse 13 and they say, See, that's what it says. But look at the rest of the verse. How shall they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. I'm telling you, folks, the gospel that brings the peace of God. It brings peace with God. And notice the content and the context of the calling in verse 13 and verse 16. But they have not all obeyed. Look what it says. But they have not all obeyed. They've not all obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You obey the gospel as, it see, as you see here in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 by dying to self, being buried in baptism, and then raised to walk. And if you don't obey the gospel, if you don't obey the gospel, God will take out His wrath. God will take out His vengeance. He will take out His vengeance on all those who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. Those who don't obey perish because they've been deceived. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 11. They didn't receive the love of the truth that they, that they might be saved. In Acts chapter 2, verse 21, when Peter quotes the prophet like Paul and says, Whomever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then they ask him in verse 37, What shall we do? Peter says, Repeat this prayer after me. No. He says, Repent and be baptized. You can't pray your way to heaven. You try, you can't. You don't understand prayer. You don't understand a requ another requirement of prayer. Not only do you need to be humble, but you need to, in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse fifteen, pray with understanding. As we've read, God does not hear sinners. But if we are honest with God's word, we must point out the Roman soldier Cornelius in Acts chapter ten. If you would please turn there. This centurion is used by many to prove that one can be saved by prayer and prayer alone. But when we look at the count of Cornelius, is he saved by prayer? Is he really saved by prayer? A good Bible student will note that God does not hear a sinner's prayer and that God does hear a sinner's prayer. What? What are you trying to say? 
Well, let's rightly divide the word of truth. If you're living in sin, if you constantly put off obedience, He does not hear your prayer. If you're living in sin and you constantly tell Jesus, I'm not going to obey your word. God, I don't love you enough to obey what you say in the Bible. Well, He's not going to hear you. Why pray? David said, The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. But, praise God, Cornelius is an example of God hearing the prayer of one of two types of sinners. The seeker. God hears the seeker's prayer. Let me explain. Let's be fair and read the account together. Does God save? I want you to look. Does God save Cornelius after he prays? Does God save Cornelius after he prays? Is his prayer the vehicle to salvation? The answer that many give is yes, it does. But let's read together. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave his alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Now the Bible said that this man was a soldier. Did that make him saved? No. It says he was of the Italian Regiment. Did that make him saved? No. He was a devout man. He feared God. Did that make him saved? No, even demons believe and tremble. James chapter 2 verse 19. He gave alms. So so that put him into a saved relationship with God. No, we're we're not saved by our works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9. The fact that he prayed to God always, that that proves it. That that right there proves it that that he was saved. No. But by the way he lived, he was seeking God. Let me switch gears on you. Keep, keep your finger here. Okay? Let me switch gears on you. Paul is preaching in Athens. He's preaching to the philosophers in, in Acts chapter 17. And they have a statue there to the unknown God. They've got so many statues to so many gods that they make up a statue to an unknown God just so they don't miss any gods. Paul proceeds to tell them who this God is. He says in verse 26, And He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that, notice, notice, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him though He is not far away from each of us. And that's what, turn back to Acts chapter 10. That's what Cornelius is doing. He's groping. He's seeking for the Lord. He's wanting to please the Lord. Now, look at verse 3. About the ninth hour, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying, Cornelius. And he observed him. He was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial from God before God. Now, did he say Cornelius was saved? No. Read on. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. 
He will tell you what you must do. Notice I've got it underlined on the screen. He will tell you what you must do. Oh, so there's something you've got to do. Oh, there's something somebody must do. Peter is summoned. Peter, a good Jew before he became an apostle, he knew that the Gentiles were unclean. He was told in a vision in Acts chapter 10 verse 9 that they were now clean. And Cornelius was a Gentile. And to prove to Peter that the Gentiles were now clean, the Holy Spirit came upon Cornelius and his household after Peter preaches the gospel to him. And remember, the angel's message, remember, he will tell you what you must do. You see it underlined right there? So what must he do? What what does Peter tell Cornelius and his household? In Acts chapter 10, verse 48, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. The seeker was saved, not by prayer, but in obedience to God's commands. Cornelius teaches us that when we pray, we must have the right motive, a motive that seeks to do God's will, not our will. I know you may have been taught different, but you can see God's will through Scripture here, can't you? Can't you see it? Don't do your will. Don't do the will you've been taught. Do God's will. There's another New Testament case that some use to prove the sinner's prayer as a vehicle to salvation. And that's the case of Simon the sorcerer. But as we'll see, Simon didn't pray himself saved. That's not what happened at all. But we'll see the the, the second of sinners that the Lord our God hears. God will hear this type of sinner. Read with me the, the account of of Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8 verse 18 this account is used to prove that one can pray a sinner's prayer and be saved without baptism Okay, in Acts chapter 8 verse 18 Simon saw the apostles Peter and John lay hands on some and they received the Holy Spirit and Simon who used to be a sorcerer the Bible says Or a magician, he wanted this power. He wanted it bad. And he offered to pay for it. And look at verse 20. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Now he just told him to pray to pray to be forgiven, didn't he? He just told him to do that. That proves it, right? That proves it. No. Let me ask you a question. Was Simon a baptized believer or someone who had never been baptized before he was told to do this? Look, at, look back at verse 9. We're introduced to Simon who, who previously practiced sorcery. He had heard Philip preach and in verse 13 both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed and when he was baptized he continued with Philip. Simon was a baptized believer who later, when he sinned, was told by the Apostle Peter to pray for forgiveness. We must rightly divide the word of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do not apply 
commands to those saved, to those who are not saved. Christian, you too are a sinner. But God will hear your prayer of repentance. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, If you confess your sin to God, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. You know, one thing about Simon is he made it right. I mean, you've got to, say, you've got to hand that to Simon, right? We've, we've seen an example of that this morning. Pat McGuire. Now, Brother Shockley didn't tell you everything. There's no way he could have told you everything. The elders met with Pat. I've met with Pat. Pat has admitted to sin. Pat has admitted to sin. He's admitted he, he, he broke the law and bought a minor cigarette. This, this is one thing I love about Pat, though, and I love about Simon, is Simon and Pat, they made it right. The quickest they could make it right. Simon made it right, and he asked for the prayers of those apostles. Pat came forward before the Lord's Supper so he could take the Lord's Supper and be right with God and be right with you. He asked you for your prayers. But you must ask in faith. It's a requirement. You must ask in faith. Pat must ask in faith. Simon must ask in faith. Or it's for naught. It's another command of the Christian. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. You must be obedient. That's another condition of answered prayer. If Simon decided to, 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 to keep on going his way after he prayed, it was for naught. If Pat decides to go back into sin... It's for naught. If you decide to go back into sin after you've prayed, Christian, it's for naught. You must be obedient. It's another condition for answered prayer. Do you really think God's going to answer your prayer if you're living in sin and you're not making it right? Really? 1 John chapter 3, verse 22 and 24. You must be obedient. And you must ask according to the Lord's will. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It's another condition of answered prayer for the Christian. It's God's will. Not my will. God's will be done. Does God answer a sinner's prayer? He does. If you're a sinner seeking to do God's will. You've been asking God to show you the truth. You've been asking Him over and over to show you the truth. You've been groping in the dark. And today you've heard the Lord's answer from Scripture. It's not from me. Please. Don't think this was all me. This is, this is Scripture I'm talking to you about. Search the Scriptures. Grope. Find. The truth is there. You've heard the Lord's answer if you've been attentive to the Word of God that's been read. So, if you've been attentive to the will of God and you've been seeking for God and you've been groping for God and you've heard what you need to do today to be saved, that you need to be baptized to be saved, then why not? Why not obey? If you obey the gospel, you will be saved. 
Does God answer a sinner's prayer? If you are a Christian who has fallen from grace and you are willing to repent of your sin and confess to God, as we've read, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. He will hear you. He'll forgive you. Now, you know the truth. You know the truth this morning and you can, you can obey the truth. If you need help to be baptized this morning, we're here to help you. If you are like Simon or Pat, Acts chapter 8, verse 24, you'd like the prayers of the saints here because there's prayers of effective people that can avail a whole lot afforded to you right now. If you'd like the prayer of the saints here at Fountainhead, I want you to come forward at the singing of this song. If you are truly a sinner and seeking or repentant, God will hear you. Come right now. Together we stand and sing.